Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're talking to Nick, who is the CEO and a founder of Casco. We're going to talk about Insurance 3.0 or InsurTech as a service. He is based in London, but of course, big connections to Switzerland and Germany as well. And we're going to find out more about what can you do when you want to roll out new products and you're an incumbent insurer, but you need to do it quickly, but you're struggling with the, the age old uh, infrastructure issues, right? So I'm curious to find out more and learn from Nick. How are you today? Hi, Rudolf. It's a pleasure. Thank you uh, for having me. I'm I'm peachy. <laughs> Can't complain. Great. Good for you. Now, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Why have you become a founder of a startup? Um, my pleasure. So my name is Nick. I'm um, 37. My Mexican wife says I'm very German. And most importantly, I'm a proud dad of my little daughter, Maxima. As a day job, I am running or co-running an insurtech company, Casco. And the reason why I decided to start Casco really came from initially I wanted to start to take over our family business, a managing general agent for classic cars, which my dad and his his friend started some 30 years ago, but then realized um, throughout my journey that I was more interested in in, in technology and in, in scaling things and not having to do everything twice. And so ended up joining forces with my co-founder, Matt, um, who's also my best man. And we started Casco in 2015. All right, great. So what is it that you're trying to solve? I mentioned Insurance 3.0, InsurTech as a service. The other buzzwords that are related to you are also called embedded insurance, right? Just like embedded finance. So what is embedded insurance and Insurance 3.0? Okay, so let me let me try to dissect this. So what are we trying to solve? We're solving for our clients are executives working in insurance companies, brokers, MGAs who want to grow and who want to grow on a digital substrate. And simply put, they have more opportunity in the market to create new products, to digitalize existing products, to increase the share of wallet of their existing distribution partners, etc. than they currently have IT capacity due to a whole range of factors, but usually legacy IT constraints, capacity constraints. And that's how we help. We have created our own InsurTech operating system to model customer journeys, insurance products, policy management functions, payments, first notifications of loss. So the the kind of whole toolkit of creating and running insurance products. And we offer that as a software, as a service to insurance companies. And that's what we do as a as a, as a core business. Okay, understood. So how does that relate to then insurance 3.0 or sure. embedded insurance? Now, just to clarify, 
are these kind of synonymous or do you feel that insurance 3.0 is capturing something different than embedded? You're the expert. So you tell us, uh, imagine that somebody wants to go for an interview with a consultant and throw these buzzwords around correctly. Okay. So what should, what should they do? Okay. okay. So, <laughs> and I think the first thing is to clarify. <laughs> right? All right. So insurance 3.0, um, I've actually, I don't know, I've, I haven't heard that in a, in a while, but I would accustom this more around beyond insurance, around insurers moving away from just payers of damages towards managers of risk. So prevention rather than payouts, et cetera, and aggregating beyond insurance services. And these could be, I don't know, telemedicine or uh, certain uh, preventative measures around home insurance, et cetera, or in cyber. Whilst embedded insurance is the premise of embedding insurance products into largely non-insurance customer journeys in, in your bank, when you when you buy something in a shop, uh, when you shop online, uh, et cetera, and making the insurance a bundle of another service. Now, both of these are potential use cases that our technology powers, simply put, because all of these require a redefinition and remodeling of the uh, quotation and workflows within an insurance uh, product um, that the legacy IT systems are usually not able to do time and cost effectively. So embedded insurance in particular is a really interesting use case for us because it is a clear growth opportunity and there is a white space of IT capacity um, that is sometimes more clearly than, air quote, just digitalizing existing products. All right. Obviously, yes, a big opportunity. I think the what I've read uh, was that insurance 3.0 is, is uh, the next level after first phase of insurance where you have agents or salespeople going from one door to another trying to sell an insurance, then the 2.0 being basically that it looks digital from outside in, but the back end here is quite, or actually the front end is, is paper. You still send the, the policies by paper. You may have something in the cloud in the back end. And the third wave is that everything is digital. But for this, you need you to help very often because otherwise the, the incumbents uh, struggle with it. But apart from the size of the opportunity, even though let's talk about how big you think it is, why are you excited about it? What is uh, really the excitement, the angle of it? Now, the market value opportunity, I think Simon Torrens has published a really good paper end of last year, and he put it at $3 trillion US dollars. It's not the, and I, I believe within that, it's around 700 to 1 billion um, premiums to be generated. So that's like a big chunk if you consider that current insurance premiums worldwide are around 5 trillion. But irrespective of whether this number now, by 2030, you know, how, how accurate this number is now or in, in, in the future, it's, it's, it's a big opportunity. I think it's, it's a growing opportunity as customers engage more broadly with digital apps, super apps, vendors, etc. The way we define embedded insurance is, and where we see embedded insurance play out is, maybe somewhat uh, more nuanced than, than some of the players. Now, the very narrow definition of embedded insurance is I have an API-based product and I deeply embed it into someone else's service. So yeah, that's the checkout product on buying a smartphone on Amazon and you get the Ergo uh, warranty insurance or having every 
uh, transaction on a camper sharing website insured if you want to um, put your private caravan on a rental. Now, the way we think about embedded is, is more broadly in the sense that because insurance is such a low touch and from a customer point of view, high information asymmetry and thus complex product, it is really costly to generate trust to gain customers in insurance. So the best way to have efficient customer acquisition costs potentially is to piggyback on someone else's commercial relationship. So you're basically embedding insurance products where the client already is. Now, whether that is on a warranty product on Amazon's website or whether this is a digital advisory provided by an tight agent insurer, from our point of view, is irrelevant. We let the customer decide on how they want to shop. And all of these interactions are now being digitalized anyway. So it doesn't really matter. There's no such thing. There are still a lot of paper-based products, but all of these are uh, digital. Now, the interesting thing I find is that you will need fully digital, fully automated micro-insurances to embed. But as these distribution partners get bigger and bigger, you actually won't make any money of it. So you probably won't make any money or a lot of money um, by selling warranty insurance to Amazon because they're going to squeeze you out, right? They're going to squeeze out the margin because at that point, a lot of competition is on these deals. So the only way to expand your footprint is by, number one, horizontally expanding and adding your own but multiple products uh, to it so it's harder for Amazon to aggregate. So you'll add contents insurance. You might even add SME insurance. So you'll add your product scope as a provider. But you also need to invest in up and cross-selling because if you're not making money on the warranty insurance, you need to make money somewhere. And so you might try to get the warranty insurance into a multi-warranty insurance and then into a home insurance product. Now, as it stands right now, whether that is in Europe, Asia, or the United States, as soon as you get into normal insurance products, there still is a very positive business case on advisors helping you guide through that journey. Now, these advisors aren't physically coming to your door anymore. They might not even be, they might be employees, they might be independent agents, they might be independent brokers. But you also need to be able to upsell and cross-sell and the after-sale through, through it. And you need to play both if you want to successfully dance the embedded insurance tango. And it just so happens that we have the technology to power all of these. All right. But can you mention also some case studies where, you know, where you can paint the picture how Casco works, right, okay. with your customers? So, for example, one of our customers, Balua's Group in Switzerland, has been one of the most active share economy insurers in Switzerland. And so one of their partners, Mike Camper, a big camper sharing website that is growing really massively. You know, you can imagine RV rentals are on the up right now. And they wanted to provide a insurance, a mandatory insurance for all of the rentals, but also a top-up insurance policy. So the buyers, the renters can increase their cover. Now, it would have cost them way too much to put this onto their core system. And so we've designed the product on our API um, we're delivering the API to MyCamper and we are actually um, managing the, the contracts on our policy management system and then sending a, we're sending actually through an API these days, a real-time data exchange to their ledger, to their old legacy system, which also holds the policy records, but doesn't do any changes, mutations, etc. And that allows Baluas to 
basically onboard any type of distribution partner on any type of product that they feel they want to underwrite and be able to serve and have the licenses in a matter of weeks rather than never. All right, understood. You already started talking about your key clients, right? So what is the, what are your key clients? What's your value proposition uh, for them? Whether that's insurers like Paloas or you said the brokers or digital businesses, sure. how does that work? Are you B2B or B2BC business really? So we are currently a we are B2B business. So our clients predominantly are traditional insurers who want to launch and scale digital insurance propositions. That being said, that can be in the embedded space, but that can also be on a direct-to-consumer website, the agent portal. So we are, by definition, omni-channel. Because we can, and why wouldn't you, once you have an API and once you have a white-label customer journey, you can integrate it in any web interface. So we, these are our clients, and this include, I don't know, Baluas, Allianz, Visana, Zurich, we work with Roland. So, so a whole range of insurers predominantly in Germany, Switzerland, Austria, and Belgium right now. And also we have a bank as a client who wants to create their own products and source their insurance products without being reliant on the IT capacity of the insurer. We also have some MGAs and we're also working with neo-insurers. So there's a whole range of, of players that we work with in the ecosystem, but 95% of our business comes from traditional insurers wanting to accelerate and grow. All right, understood. So when you pitch to them, what is your unique advantage or the angle that you're focusing on? How are you different from other digital business enablers, for example? Sure. So, so I think it starts with the positioning. Now, when you sell to an insurance company, you can normally you need to sell to the IT department because they are in charge of sourcing the tools. Now we don't because it's, it's, it's a really tough pitch because unless you're in a very specific use case around we're providing AI for X or we're having this payment service provider, all of the things we do, the insurer already does, they're just not doing it fast enough or they're not doing it on enough opportunities. So we, the first thing is we target those, the PNL owners, the heads of products, the heads of the distribution channels, with a very simple question. Which business opportunity would you like to follow if IT was not an issue and we could go live in the next four to eight weeks for an initial investment of 30 to 50,000 euros? If you do not have an opportunity, if there's no new product, if there's no digital API or integration on existing products, if there's no big distribution partner that you want to serve with more products, then that is absolutely fine. We rest our case. We'll re-engage in three to six months. And by the way, in your space, here are three or four ideas that we see in the market that might be interesting because your competitors think these are good opportunities. So it really just starts with that proposition of targeting the business users, talking about use cases, and not talking about technology at all. Now, if you then compare us to say, why are you better than X? I think that there are two answers to it. There is the kind of outside-in answer to say, listen, we're very cost-effective, so we have a low price point. We are very flexible in the sense that you can just take different parts of our platform individually and we can deploy different use cases so you don't need to buy the whole platform. You can just roll it out on a use case-by-use -case, case basis or just take the front-end, just take the API, etc. Um, we have a full-service delivery 
So if you are not having your own IT resources, in which they don't have, usually, we deliver it ourselves and we support and actively help drive business in a B2B setting. So we help them um, acquire, onboard, source, distribution partners in the embedded space. Now, yeah, go ahead. The short answer is if you're really asking for it is what they're really interested in is to say, we have best in class tech and so has anyone else who was willing to invest 10,000 developer days into the platform, right? That's how much it takes. Maybe you'll get there in 7,000 days. Maybe you'll, it takes you 15,000 days, right? But the functionality scope is pretty unanimous if you want to do what we want to do. And the main difference really sits around, we understand insurance and we understand how the insurance product needs to be modeled in order to be really easily integrated for the other parties' distribution channels. And that's really where we differentiate. We, we bring that to the table. We talk about growth. We talk about insurance use cases. And we just make the technology work. A little bit like insurance. How much do you want to talk about an insurance? You just want to have the insurance work. And it's the same about the technology. How much do you really want to know about the technology? You just want it to work. You're not right. that keen about cloud-based, microservice, event-driven architecture. You like what well, it's Yeah, there are some people there but who would like to, but I, I like that you target the P&L owners, right? Because that positions you in a very different light and I think positions you for success much better than being a purely an IT vendor, right? I think, I think what it does, incidentally, it creates one of the, you know, one of the dangers of developing technology for someone else is if there is no sense of holistic ownership, urgency, who owns the trade-offs, right? Who is this, who's the entrepreneur who needs to navigate between functional speed and cost? Because you can't have it all. Now, if you're pegging it towards an opportunity and you're saying, we need to ship this product in an API in the next eight weeks to win over this distribution partner, it crystallizes everything. It, crystal, it, it prioritizes scope and it makes one of the biggest dangers of being a vendor where you deploy technology for someone else rather than for yourself, it pegs the technology towards the business case, towards what's actually driving growth. And I think that has been a tremendous advantage because we didn't spend, we, we, there's no feature in our platform that is not either increasing efficiencies to produce products, our own workload, or um, that was required and is supported by a business case and paid for by a business PNL owner rather than someone procuring something for someone else. Right. And you also minimize the risk of a broken telephone conversations, right? Exactly. Somebody, somebody talks about you within the organization without you being present. And then who knows whether that deal gets done or not, right? And why? And that's the thing. And so we have designed our entire go-to-market to serve the PNL owner, allow them to ship almost any product. Not every product is, is done in four to eight weeks at a price point below 50,000, sometimes it's a little bit more, but basically that they can source with their own budget. So they can make the decision to say, I want to win over Amazon. Do I want to invest 50,000 to do that? 
on the technical. And if, if they're not, then that's fine. But that's, I think, the main advantage. And from that, everything else follows. But it's, it's, it's a positioning towards a very specific user group. And that's the PL owner and insurance companies. All right, understood. And you mentioned the 50k several times. So how do you make money? And how do you think about unit economics and scale in particular? Okay, so, so basically, the way we think about so how do we make money, we have four sources of revenue, we have a um, setup fee to configure the product and to expand the platform for required integrations, or maybe a new feature. So, for example, when we, we launched a Young Drivers Telematics product recently in Belgium, and for that we integrated into a telematics provider, and we also created a usage-based subscription module, which we, 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 we had to expand our existing subscription. And that comes into the setup. We then have a license model, and that means per insurance product and based on the complexity of the product and how many features you use, front-end, API, payments, first notification of loss, customer portal, policy admin, etc. you'll get a flat that's usually between 10 to 30,000 per, per, per annum. So similar to, to what the setup fee is. We then have, if we are maintaining the platform, which we usually are, we have a maintenance fee. And this is where we get paid around expanding the platform, onboarding distribution partners. So ongoing work on, on the platform because our technology needs to be always adapt, be expanded because you're in the distribution game. And then we have a low level of success fee between 0 and 8% of the gross written premium. It really depends um, where we are participating in the success of the platform. Now, and, and these, range, these vary across, across our business. Now, the way we think about how do we need to price Number one, we currently price, so the initial engagement for one year is ideally below a price point of 50,000 because this is where you have decentralized budget control. This is something that an um, insurance executive who owns a PL can usually sign off without a massive procurement, etc. process. But moreover, fundamentally, we help insurers and their distribution partners to optimize and embed existing commercial relationships. So with this come two, come, come two challenges. Number one, we need to make sure because we do not own the product or the distribution channel, right? So because an insurer theoretically can design a really bad product and not care about the distribution. So one thing is we need to protect our downside and make the owner of the product and the distribution pay. So we at least always get a cost plus benefit so we protect our, our baseline because we don't own the product and the distribution. And the other thing is we obviously want to earn and support and, and grow on programs that scale, but not just in the early stages. If they scale, an insurer one needs to be able to continuously pay us some form of transaction fee even as these programs hit multiple, single, multi, and double-digit million premiums. And so we think that the success fee cannot be lower, can be a maximum of 2.5% of the insurance premiums after tax, and only on those where we actively help them and source um, new distribution channels. And that's how we then 
scale our um, proposition as the insurers scale their programs. All right. So that leads me to the next question. Do you call yourself a startup or a scale-up? Where are you on your journey and what is the ultimate goal? So neither, to be honest. I guess we would be a scale-up. We haven't really talked about that a lot. And I guess the, the main point is we have very very much part of the insurance ecosystem rather than the startup ecosystem. When the insurance ecosystem, it doesn't really matter. It's just, can they deliver? Do they have the references? Do they understand me? But I would say it's a scale-up. Now, our goal, the, the, the end game is to create a embedded and connected insurance operating system similar to what uh, Visa has done for payments or maybe Plaid has done for payments similar to what's happening in loans. So these infrastructure as a service plays where you not only can design and run your own insurance products and then onboard various partners, but you already have the connection to it. This means Bank X already is connected to our API. And if you commercially agree, you can just publish the product, right? And thus removing all of the technical one-to-one bilateral integrations that are currently um, required. And again, just taking out a huge cost base out of distributing and managing insurance. Brilliant. Great stuff. Now, before we wrap up, I just have two easy questions. First is, is there any business or nonfiction book that you can recommend that inspired you? And then we will talk about, okay, what's the best way to reach out and get in touch with you? So first on the further reading front. Um, I, I, I would say three books, but number one, Atomic Habits from James Clear. It's really good. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I really like Grit. It's from Angela Duckworth. And I also like Principles from Ray Dalio, but in that order. (laughs) All right. Okay. We'll try to tell them. But anyway, just kidding. All right. Thank you so much. And what's the best way to reach out and what kind of people would you like to hear from most? So um, you can reach out to me on, on LinkedIn or via email on nsuehr at casco.io, K-A-S-K-O dot And I'm always interested in talking to anyone who wants to either embed insurance products into their existing customer journeys or drive growth of their existing and new insurance products as a product provider. So love to talk about opportunities to grow insurance revenue. Great. Thank you very much and good luck to Casco. Thank you so much. Thanks for the invite. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.